I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. Have you heard of Fear Free? It's a way of working with pets, with the animals that are under our care, and allowing them to cooperate and make decisions and have agency over what we're trying to do with them. Whether that's simply taking them on a walk or administering medication or maybe applying a a topical treatment in some way. We respect animals in all that we do. And Fear Free is a way of understanding their language and what they're trying to communicate to us. Mikkel Becker from Fear Free and Fear Free Happy Homes joins us today to talk about the pet sitter's role in a pet's care how we can set ourselves up for success through mindfulness and by paying attention and observing all that the pet is trying to communicate. Let's get started. Yes, definitely. So my name is Mikkel and I grew up with my dad is Dr. Marty Becker. He is the founder of Fear Free and I grew up wanting to be a broadcast journalist, went through college and I was three credits away from graduating and I realized, gosh, this is like, I I just don't feel the same passion for it as I thought I would. And it was hard because you didn't get to have your own opinions. And, and, you know, uh, I, I've been told I have no poker face and you have to have a very good poker (laughs) face when you're in broadcast journalism. And, and also I like to be in my, my, you know, comfy clothes. And I was like, gosh, this is, this is really hard. You have to be dressed up every day. And so I ended up graduating in intercultural communication. Uh, which was interesting. I grew up like loving travel, but my dad's like, you know, maybe what you could do with that is how about you take your your love for communication and marry it with your love for pets. And so from there, I went through some training schools and got various training certifications. And now I specialize in doing reward-based training with dogs as well as with other animals. So I've worked a lot with uh, pigs and cats. And my favorite animal I've trained is an orangutan. So I worked with some orangutans when I was in Florida. And so I I just love animals of all types. And I use clicker training with my own pets. I have two dogs, a cat and a horse that all are clicker trained. So it's pretty awesome. I love what I do. And working with Fear Free is just a dream because I am making a big difference in the lives of pet professionals and in the lives of pets and their guardians. So it's really a a great way to feel like I'm making a positive difference in the world. It really is a different way of of approaching our interactions with with the pets in our lives. So at at its core, how would you describe what what fear-free actually is? So fear-free is all about taking care of both the physical and the emotional well-being of the pet. So many times, whether it's in veterinary care or grooming, animal training, pet sitting, it's sometimes about putting those physical care tasks above the emotional state of that pet. And I I know that for a lot of us who have experienced that with our own pets, taking them into the vet where they're terrified the whole time, something's done with the pet, you know, in a state of terror and, you know, the physical care gets done, but the animal is left worse off from that experience. And fear free is all about trying to protect the emotional well being at the same time of as you're taking care of the physical well being of that pet. So it's <clears throat> all about emotional well being. So reducing fear, anxiety, and stress, 
and also promoting aspects of well-being in that pet's life through things like enrichment, reward-based training that can help improve that mutual communication. And so it's it's really a way to take care of the entire entire health of that pet, both physical and emotional. I think that, that that balance to make sure that they both are and and not, never really weighing one more than the other, but realizing that both have to coexist for this to be a well-balanced animal. Exactly. Absolutely. And so, so sometimes, you know, as a, a pet sitter, you have certain tasks that you need to get done. Perhaps you need to get insulin injections. You need to get pills in that pet. So we have that care task that, that we need to do. And then it's really about finding ways that we can we can perform that task with as little fear, anxiety, and stress as possible, and ideally make that care task even easier for us and for that pet in the future by making it a happy experience whenever possible, or at the very least, reducing any negatives that that pet experiences. Yeah, it's really thinking through. It's like, yes, I have to get this task done, but I also, I may have to do this task again, or somebody else may have to do this task. And I want to make sure that the everybody in the, the circle of this pet's care life, their pet care team, is helping their lives be a little bit better by by how I'm interacting with them right now. Because I, I, I am going to have long-lasting impacts, both positive and negative. Exactly. And so many times we, we overlook that, like where it's like, okay, I, you know, I don't really train. I don't need to focus on, you know, what the pets like learning because, you know, I'm not a trainer, but the thing is pets are always learning. They are continually learning through every interaction, every experience. And we as pet professionals in whatever field are making a lasting difference in that pet's life. And it's important that we make a positive difference because really just one negative experience, one negative interaction that can outweigh a lot of positives in that pet's experience. And so it's like trying to establish trust and keeping that trust. You know, that trust is hard to build and easy to lose. And that it really can generalize from one person to encompass a lot of people for that pet. And so what we want to do is we want to make it as easy as possible for that pet, both during their experience with us and with other people. And that's, that really goes down to the heart of why we're doing what we're doing in the first place, which is, you know, the love of pets, you know, perhaps the love of people as well and the love of what we're doing. And so it's, it's all about, you know, and, and also it's, it's about uh, safety as well. So it's the safety of the pet and the safety of us as well. So when we're watching out for both physical and emotional well-being, it's a much safer way to perform the tasks that we need to do. And it just feels better. (laughs) It does. does. Well, that's that's a good point is that it feels better. And I think a a lot of modern pet parents are looking for different ways for their pets to be cared for than traditional or historic methods of of how pets would be be handled and, and worked with in a particular day. So we get the we get a benefit because we feel better about how we're operating with them. The pet gets a benefit because they get a positive experience. And then the pet owner also has a positive outlook and they know that their pet is getting the best care possible. Exactly. And it's that, that care that's worth seeking out and that, that care that's worth investing in and keeping. And it's one of those that, you know, word of mouth, like that's, that's like one of the best ways to, to really get your clients is, you know, like when, when you have someone that just loves what you do, it's, they can't even contain it. It's like, oh my gosh, I have this, this pet sitter that's just amazing. And so it's just, you know, it it makes it for, makes for easy marketing when people love 
the work that you're doing when they can really trust you. And when their pet is, you know, like when they're crazy about you, like when they absolutely love you, especially, especially those sometimes hard to win over pets, you know, you have a, a shy, shy cat, you have a shy dog, you have a dog that, that maybe is reactive that, you know, is, you know, barking and lunging. And, you know, if you can work with them and help to, to win them over, you know, it's not easy to come by. It's not, like, okay, we can go to the next, the next person or the next person. It, it really builds that loyalty and, and that trust with not only you and the pet, but also you and the person too. It can be, it can be hard from, from, from our perspective because we have 30 minute chunks. I know pet sitters who sometimes do 15 minute chunks and maybe up to an hour walk, but we don't have a lot of, of, of time and space for our, to, to, to have the interaction. And I, I think that's why it makes it all the more important to make sure that's a good interaction because we, whatever time we have, we need to make it as good as possible. And then also thinking again, I, I'm, I may see them again and again and again, and making sure that that's, that's consistent too across time. Absolutely. And, you know, when you think about animal learning, animals actually learn best in short training sessions. So in short training sessions, short interactions, like those, those are prime time to be working with that animal to build their trust, to establish that communication that's mutual for both of you and, you know, making that, that just lasting connection with them. And it's entirely possible to have a fear-free way of performing your pet sitting duties to perform your, your dog walking duties and to do it in a way that's actually going to make it much easier in the future for you and for that pet and safer. Now it's called fear-free. How do you define fear? So, so when we look at fear free, we look at fear, anxiety, and stress. So we call it FAS for short. And essentially it's any kind of emotion, like negative emotional state that pet may experience. So anything that puts them in that like fight or flight kind of mode or gets them uh, wary, it's like, okay, I see a threat. Okay. What do I do? Okay. Do I need to react? What we want to do is we want to prevent that pet from ever escalating into that state where they go into that survival mode, or if they're in that survival mode, helping them to recover and to go into that kind of more rest and digest kind of stage where they can have that higher level thinking and they can be, they can use more of their thinking brain versus their reacting brain. So it's like, almost like you think of it as like either lizard brain or dolphin brain. You, you want to try and keep that pet in that dolphin brain where they are, are able to think before they react, where they are able to make those those good choices that we can reward. And, and it's really important because so many times these pets are just in that state of high fear, anxiety, and stress. And it, it just escalates from there. It's those negative learning experiences that just kind of uh, build one upon the other and you get the pet that that doesn't that is unsafe to interact with is is not safe to perform care tasks with and so sometimes it's really breaking it down and and for us as pet professionals a lot of times it's also working with the pet guardian so giving them those resources because it's it's not fair for us to put in the work if they aren't going to put in the work as well and so it's really getting that commitment from that pet parent and as you said, you know, pets really are so close to us and, and just becoming closer. They're part of the family. Many of us like relate to our pets as, as kids in a lot of ways. And, you know, so for, for most people, they want to do well by their pet. It's just that uncertainty of how to do it, or maybe they've been, they've learned other ways. And so if we can just guide them in the right direction, we can make such a big difference in that pet's life and really in 
helping to ensure that pet is able to stay in the home ultimately as well. Well, I think it's important to note too that that it's it's the negative emotional st- uh, state of a pet regardless of whether that action that they're fear is is real or, or not right it's it's that it's the fact we are just assessing are they in this state or not and that can be hard because we're like we, we want to say well why are you afraid of that right why are you afraid of the vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. it's not going to hurt you uh, but but there is an experience that they've had in the past and there's a, a learned uh, perception that they have of something like that that has now put them in that elevated state rational or not um, now that's something that, that we have to, to deal with a- after we assess that. Oh, absolutely. And and if it's if it's real, then their body is is in that state of fight or flight. And it doesn't have to be rational. Like I used to have this horrible phobia of flying. And I grew up traveling, like my family, we just, my dad would, would travel and speak. And so I was uh, blessed enough to be able to go with him. But, you know, I've been to 60 countries, but ha- I had this paralyzing fear of flying uh, to the point like where I would worry about it, obsess about it for months before I would fly. When I, when I was on the plane, no one wanted to sit next to me. I was in all out panic attacks. Like, you know, I would uh, sometimes, you know, they would try and give me like sleeping pills and wouldn't touch me, just nothing because I was in such a stressed out state. And a lot of these pets are in that same state where yeah, it's not rational. You could tell me that flying is so much safer than than driving, than doing all of these other things. But, you know, that it doesn't matter when you're in that state. And, you know, and for our pets, it's so much worse because it, we can't even talk to them to tell them, okay, you know, what you're experiencing isn't real. To them, it is very, very real. And so it's it's all about like breaking it down for them, making it a, a less aversive experience and trying to get them to that 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 level where they can actually receive those positives. So, so many times like people will think, okay, uh, the pet won't take treats in this, in this instance, they're too stressed out, you know? And so we have to do it a different way. Well, the thing is, is what we want to do is you want to get that, that pet to a low enough level of fear, anxiety, and stress and, and in a positive emotional state to where they can start to receive those positives. And so like for me with flying, for instance, it was really about breaking down that experience and trying to you know, pair some positives with that experience. But it, it, you know, if you're trying to do it right in the middle of when I'm having a panic attack, uh, heck no, I'm not going to learn. <laughs> like, you know, you could give me my favorite thing. I love Starbucks. You can give me my, my favorite uh, caramel frappuccino or whatever it is. I, I probably won't even drink it. I'm so upset, you know, yeah. but you, you, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we're talking about the airplane uh, when I'm off, off of there and, you know, you, you get me to that state where I'm more in my rational brain and I can start to like think better. And same thing with pets. Like we, we don't want to really, a lot of times what you'll see is you'll see people adding even more fuel to the fire when the pet is already upset. So the pet's upset, they're struggling, they're not, they're not taking their medication or they, you know, we're trying to put maybe eye meds on the pet or clean their ears. The pet starts to struggle so a lot of times what happens is rather than letting that pet recover, letting them go to a place where they feel safe, building up slowly, a lot of times the pet maybe is held down, they're they're forcibly muzzled, and it just it, it escalates so much more versus like, okay, we're just gonna take it, take a moment, you know, we're gonna let you get to a state where you feel calm and comfortable. Let's see how we can adjust our approach, how we can adjust this to make this a better experience so that you can that we can get accomplish this with as minimal fear, anxiety, and stress as possible, possible, and make it as positive as possible, which ultimately is going to like further build that trust and make that experience 
more possible in the future. By the way, I, I fly today and I, I, I mean, totally, it's like that, that fear-free state. Like, I mean, there's still those triggers where I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go back to that. But then it's like, I've learned those coping skills with, okay, if I feel like this, this is what I do. So I have that kind of routine. And, and that's really what we want to do with our pets. Once they feel empowered on, okay, this is how I handled this situation. You know, you, you really build in that, those coping skills that really help empower them and build that confidence. And so whether it's pets or people, we want them to feel comfortable and confident and know how to handle those situations in a better way. Yeah, we want we want emotionally healthy, mature animals and pets. And and that starts with equipping them with good ways of managing the stresses that are in their lives. And you, you hadn't said that a lot of times we have to partner with the pet owner, and that's so critical. I don't know how many of our clients, my our, our clients say, Man, when I bring out that 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 bag, when I bring out the luggage, oh, it the dog freaks out, right, and goes hide. And then now, now what? Now I'm walking into that house with a freaked out dog who's been stressed since the day before because they've been packing and all these things. And we, we forget that, there, that when we walk into that door, that dog is in a state of emotional being that is, pro- is the result of previous experiences, probably within the last 24 hours. And we can start working with our clients saying, hey... You know, when you get out the thing, when you get out the, the luggage, you know, where are the treats? How is the dog interacting? How can we work with this? How can we bring down their stress? Start there so that by the time you walk through the door and you do have to give them eye medication or they do need an insulin shot, that fear level, that stress level is already at a little bit lower level. And then we can work with them from there. Uh, another good example, you talk about being doing assessment of, of why is this stressful for the pet? Uh, we have a cat that we take care of that... Um, for some reason, had an experience where they had a bunch of guests over. And ever since then, the cat has not been okay or very, very approachable at all. It goes right to a three or four almost as soon as you walk in the door. And just recently, I realized it's my shoes. <laughs> I walk to him. Hmm. The, the cat, I think, was triggered by the, the heavy footfalls, because I walk heavy, I'm whatever. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when they had guests over, I don't know what transpired, but it impacted this cat to the point now where heavy footfalls send it through the roof of its stress. So now I have to take off my shoes whenever I come in the door. And you already see it, it, it immediately interacts with me differently and it makes it more accessible. And so now we're going to work on more things to do with that. So it's doing an entire assessment of yourself, of the history of that pet, both immediate, you know, short term within 24 hours and the lifetime of that pet and going... How how do I work? How how do I give this pet agency? I love that word of going. This pet can make decisions in the interaction that I have or do not have with them. And many times, pet parents don't understand that. I don't know how many meet and greets I've gone to, and they're dragging the cat down off the cat tree. They're pulling the dog towards you, even though that dog does not want to be in the same room with me. And having to tell them, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Let let him go. Let him go hide. Let's just talk, and we're going to work through this. And and we need to build a positive association, not a forced association. I love that. I absolutely love everything you said there because that that is just everything that <clears throat> I feel that I'm about. And you know, by giving that pet the element of choice, that is one of the greatest reinforcers for for people or for pets is that ability to choose and to make that that choice, that purposeful decision. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Versus, you know, if if it's out of control, you can't predict what's going to happen. That's so scary for pets, and to to think like okay, something, I don't know what's going to happen. Something bad could happen. I don't have any control over this versus, okay, we try and make it as predictable as possible. 
And we try and make it not only predictable, but also make it as positive as possible. So we are predicting positives. And we also give them that choice. And they always have the choice to say no. By giving them that choice to say no or to say, hey, hold up, like wait, pause, let me like catch my breath, let me, let me think about this, versus like just forging through and doing it anyways, we ultimately are going to increase the likelihood that that pet is going to cooperate and, and just feel better. And it's going to make our job so much easier just simply by giving them a choice rather than forcing something you are that, that in and of itself alone is going to make a dramatic difference in a relationship that anyone has with a pet. Yeah. And well, it starts with the little things too, from simple as, can I pet you? Can I touch you right now? Mm -hmm. Right. And that may seem so like, why do they need a choice in that? But we're giving them agency and choice in the little matters so that as that pet ages, as their health conditions change, they know that they have a choice there as well. And we're linking all this together, especially, you know, starts with really young animals going, I I can start this off on a good path, making sure they have agency choice and they're trusting me, they're trusting their pet parent so that if something does happen, if they do need to have insulin shots or something more invasive, or if they do need to wear a different harness or collar, they're ready for that, right? And we're building that emotional uh, maturity in them. I love that. It's, It's so, so true. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critters Editors has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for new pet sitting software in the new year, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessions. Now, unfortunately, people may be listening to this or they have clients that would listen to this and go, that doesn't make any sense. Just get it done, right? Hold the cat down and, and give, the, give the shot and get it done. You're wasting time. How do we communicate with them and other people in the pet care circle? So I, I like to say, just get it done doesn't work in the long run. Yeah. So when we, when we try and get something done quick and dirty, Every single experience, we are teaching the pet something and the pet is experiencing a certain emotion. And so if it is what's accomplished through fear and force is cause for remorse is another one of my <laughs> my uh, my sayings that I, I try and think about because it, it, it really is. Because in the end, what's going to happen is you're going to get more avoidance. You A lot of times the pet may may stifle or inhibit their expression of that underlying emotion that's causing them to act out or to respond, but they aren't feeling better. And a lot of times what's going to happen is you're going to actually see an increase of aggression with fewer warning signs. So that's where the pet may, you know, maybe they are, maybe they will freeze or they will tolerate, uh, tolerate like parentheses, uh, a procedure, but they don't feel better about it. And in fact, they're going to feel probably worse because it's done. They're, they don't have a choice in that situation. They're going to probably try and avoid it more in the future, or they may put up with it and freeze, but in the future, they're probably going, going to react and react with even more ferocity. And that's a lot of times what you will see. You see that all the time. Even you take the traditional vet visit where the pet is placed up on the slippery exam table. And maybe the first few times the pet freezes in fear. But what eventually happens almost always is the pet then starts to 
try to escape or they actually resort to aggression. And so we want to prevent that progression to aggression by trying to make that experience easy for the pet. And sure, there is some advantage of trying to get something done um, uh, in a way that is as minimally aversive as possible. So in some situations, we may use a treat distraction or something like that. But we don't want to, to do something if it is causing that pet emotional distress. We want to, because really every experience you have, you are teaching that pet something and they're, they're experiencing some emotion. And so we want to try and make it as minimally aversive as possible, which really is, is going to be safer because otherwise you will have those pets that, that will aggress. Like you'll have the cats that all of a sudden the cat starts attacking at the side of a towel. At the side of people, the cat starts to run away. As you said, like with the heavy footsteps, they they start to pair these experiences or the, the dog that, you know, they say, well, they they um, bit without warning. Well, there probably were a lot of warnings leading up to that, but a lot of those warnings may have been taken away. So when you take away the pet's voice, like their ability to growl, their ability to bark or to otherwise warn, you you are moving them even closer to just going right into that bite. And so, so we want to empower our pets to have that voice and really honor that voice and choice in our interactions with them. Yeah. And, and especially for, for, for many pet sitters, you know, we're, we're not doing, a lot of us don't do a lot of procedures, you know, insulin shots are common, but they're not with every single pet, but just realizing, you know, if you get pushback from a client on that, just simply saying like, this is going to make your life a lot better. <laughs> and, and this is going to, for the long run is what we're working with here. And this is, this is how we can work together and partner together and just us recognizing uh, you know from our perspective sure i'm not trying to give this cat insulin shot that's a that's an example because it happens it, it's common or eye medication or whatever it is these typical situations that come up i may not be doing that stressful situation but the dog is the animal is under stress because the owner is not there things are different i'm here right and, it, and it's going to take a little while to work on this and just being observant and watchful for how they're interacting or, or not interacting with us to see what they're trying to tell us and and trying to make it as yeah minimally aversive as possible, giving them those coping skills, trying to to take that predictability that they already have at their pet guardian and being able to use those elements in our own interaction with them. Maybe they have a favorite way that they they interact with their own pet parent. Maybe this is like, you know, so when you look at, at well-being of the pet, you know, definitely taking the dog out in a walk can be really beneficial. But for some dogs, like the thing that they really want most of all is like that snuggle time, just that downtime, that chill time, or maybe that play. Like, so, you know, figuring out what are their routines? Like, how can we add in those routines? And predictability is so important for pets. And I would say, especially for cats. So trying to keep it as predictable as possible for them is going to reduce that fear, anxiety, and stress and and make that visit so much easier for them and for us. Yeah, I will say a really good question that we put on our intake form. We used to just ask, you know, what 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 stresses your pet out? What you know, what are they fearful of? Um, what don't they like? The logical follow up to that is, okay, if they're stressed by that, how do you comfort them? How do you address that? How do you take care of that? Because either a, you're going to learn that they have no idea what they're doing, then you can help partner with them and give them some good equipment, you know, good tools and resources, or b, you can go, oh, that's what you do. Okay, I will do that as well. I will. <laughs> and then, like you said, this routine stays the same. So it's viewing this partnership with the, with the owner as, and as utilizing them too in part of this care. You know, you can think of different things. Maybe they use a, a compression garment like a thunder shirt on their pet. Maybe they 
have certain, you know, if, if it's something like sound anxiety, like it is storm season or it's, it's around the 4th of July, you know, looking at, okay, what are the tools that we have and, you know, coming up with a plan. Okay. Here's how we might handle this situation. And like, you know, having something that maybe muffles some of what the pet is hearing, maybe that's really important. It is very important to know about those sound anxieties going into watching that pet, because we want to really have those preventive tools already in action where we're having, you know, the calming music, we're having another buffer of white noise, such as a fountain or a fan. Uh, maybe that's where we really are with the pet during that time. And just our presence being there, maybe we'll keep the pet away from, you know, trying to claw their way through the door and severely injuring themselves versus, okay, maybe they're, they're going to do some anxious pacing, um, but just us simply doing that can make a big difference. Speaking of, I think I think we have the. I'm actually pet sitting my parents' dog Kitty right now, so it's a little it's a little crazy. He he has some. Uh, I think he wanted to speak up because he has some severe sound anxieties. Yeah, Odie, good boy. And then of course it's like trying trying to keep the whole group from uh, going into the. The barking where we go into like the whole wolf pack kind of kind of craziness <laughs> it's a you know knowing that about the dog like uh, uh i have my headphones on right now so probably what happened i probably couldn't even hear it but it's probably it's garbage day so when you think of uh noise anxiety uh garbage day oh that's a good one to know about and i learned that living in seattle for a while we didn't have very many thunderstorms but oh boy did we have those dogs that were terrified of garbage day and so, you know, having an idea, okay, this is when it happens, um, you know, and that's important to know, even if you're out walking that pet, you know, if you have a pet that's, that's absolutely petrified of sounds and you're out walking them and the garbage truck goes by, oh, goodness sakes, like that's you get a big setback. Have, yeah. have you had that happen before? I, I've had um, a, a coming around a corner and there's a construction crew in the middle of the road where there's a backhoe and a beat, you know, the uh, dump truck is beeping as it's backing up and the dog just totally locks up. And you can tell in that instant that this is going to go one or two ways real fast. So we need to get treats. We need to distract. We need to get away and increase the distance from this right now. But a lot of that, yes. it, 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 it takes us observing that how this dog is interacting, how this pet is interacting in their world. What are, what are the things that we're looking for and are going to be good cues for us? So a big part is body language. It's all uh, almost always going to be based on their body language. And what we want to do is we want to look at those really subtle signs. So those really subtle signs of fear, anxiety, and stress that we may miss. A lot of times people don't realize that the pet is in a stress out state until we take what was perhaps just a whisper or a simple like kind of turn away uh, body language too, like where that dog has to elevate and they have to go into speaking louder, go into a full on shout, yell, or actual physical like fighting. And so it's, it's almost like you, you think of it as, you know, for a person that's being approached by somebody else, you know, maybe that person's like doing like that direct eye contact, staring at them directly. They're sitting there on the bench. Maybe at first they'll kind of look away, turn their body away. Uh, if that person doesn't change their behavior, it's going to go to something even even louder from that person. So it may go into like, you know, that person then having to like look back, having to stare back to create a threat. Maybe they have to get up and leave. Maybe they go into the, you know, actually like shouting at that person or a physical fight. Like, you know, we want to prevent that that animal from having to escalate by listening to them early on. And and that really helps to to improve that that trust because when the pet can trust that we can hear them, 
they it really builds that communication and, and that common language between us and really does foster that trust. So uh, body language is always really key and, and really looking at what that species needs. So, you know, dogs and cats are a little bit different, for instance. Oh, and now, now we have a siren with our, our noise sensitive dog. So right here, this is good. I, I had my whole setup ready just in case uh, where I had my treats nearby. So I have my little treat stations around. And so I'm trying to pair that with the positive and also, you know, remembering that that animals really influence one another. So um, what we want to do is since they are always learning, you know, if, if you are in a pet sitting situation with your own dogs or where maybe you're walking multiple dogs, just being aware that, you know, dogs learn from one another all of the time. And so, you know, in, in some ways that can be beneficial and we have a really stable dog, but in other ways it, it can be a, a hindrance. And uh, especially when we have that that really anxious pet that can can you know it, emotions are contagious like between people and pets and between pets with one another so it's it's really important to be aware of that yeah and to be able to manage that exactly and be that starts with observing and going okay well maybe you know maybe Fido isn't uh, triggered by, by by sound maybe they're not sensitive to that but but Fifi is. Uh, but but Fido's going to get involved with this, so I, I need to make sure that I'm I'm addressing and working with with Fifi, and and then also rewarding Fido as well, so that we're, we're managing this entire group uh, and and remembering that everybody's an individual, everybody's going to have a voice, and, and we can we can't uh, ignore those individual interactions. Exactly, exactly, and I, you know I think that the one thing that that pet guardians miss so often that we can really reinforce as as pet professionals is. Being able to reward what we like that our pet is already doing. So, yeah. so many times it's like, like the pet is ignored. Like, you know, you think of like the, the jumping dog, for instance, like they are ignored when they're behaving in a way that we like. Like, it's like, oh, thank God he finally settled down as mat or he finally relaxed. Like now there's some peace and quiet. Um, so we ignore it. And it, the exact opposite is really what should happen with that, that really attention hungry dog is we want to really reinforce those moments when they are calm and quiet rather than just ignoring them. We're trying to take advantage of that moment uh, because, you know, whatever we reinforce with things that the pet likes, it's going to increase. So uh, trying to build upon those calm behaviors can make such a big difference. And, and, it, and for some pets, it's as simple as, you know, eye contact and noticing them uh, to reinforcing them with different things that they like, whether it's, you know, delivery of their meal, getting to go out on that walk, getting the leash on their toy. Like there's so many ways that we build behavior that we may not even be aware of. Right. No. And because when we, people think of reward, they typically think of, oh, I've got to get treats. Right. And and mm -hmm. I know that's a, that's a concern people will have about, quote unquote, over treating. Uh, and I know that there are dietary restrictions and things like that. We always have to take into account to make sure that we're using appropriate ones for the pets that we're working with. But also, as you said, realizing there's a reward here that if this dog really likes to go on that walk, we have a dog that is, this is exactly them. They're, they're kind of, they kind of guard that door. They, they don't like it when we come in. So the moment they start ignoring me is whenever that's when I break out the leash and boom, we're, we're off to the races and he's my best friend. But, <laughs> but if I were to, to try and, you know, rush that or try and address that in another way, it's just going to escalate that situation. And so just recognizing, hey, I, I need to wait for this signal from him. And again, hey, he's ignoring me. Now, boom, now we're off and now we can go and do this and realize that there are other ways to reward than just, than just treats all the time. Obviously, that's a really good motivator because they're all food motivated to some extent based on fear level and all that. Um, but we can do other things in their lives as well. 
Absolutely. So yeah, you look look at you know what what is the function of this behavior in this situation, and you know for the pet that's really wanting attention, attention is huge. Like just yeah. and noticing them, you know. And so when it's almost like the kid that escalates, you know, it's like with my my daughter, it's like she'll come up to me, mom. I don't listen to her right away, or I'm so distracted. Mom, 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 and then she starts pulling my sleeve, pulling my sleeve. Same thing. Animals do the same exact thing. So it's like, you know, uh, it's really important to, yeah, reinforce those behaviors that we want to see and just be aware of, you know, just catching ourselves. I catch myself even as a trainer all the time, like reinforcing behavior or or not reinforcing the behavior I want to reinforce. And so just being aware of it is such a big step in that process. So just, you know, thinking, okay, what does this pet want? What does this pet really like? And for some pets, honestly, like even, especially like, like cats or fearful dogs, space is a big reinforcer for them. So we can use space as a reinforcer. Yeah. No, I love that of going, giving them more space, stepping out of their space, stepping into a different space, turning your body a little bit away from them, giving them that alone time really is is really kind of all that they're wanting and then you can work from there and that's that starts with you know, you, you you said you know, kind of like uh, i i do these things sometimes and, and we all do so we have to start with kind of doing an, an assessment of how i'm currently working right what am i how am i currently reacting how do we walk through being able to go and, and overcome that for ourselves of our our own immediate reactions of oh i used to do this right but now i need to how do we train ourselves? Can I clicker train? Can you clicker? Is that something I can? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it's actually really cool. They call it, they call it tag training with yeah. people. And yeah. I do that. I do that with myself sometimes. I'm like, okay, you know, the important thing is, is to think of just one thing at a time. So a lot of times we, we do what, what you would call in training as lumping criteria where you have like, like maybe you have like eight different things or even three different things that you're having to do. You want to make it simple and give yourself easy wins, give that pet easy wins. So if it's something like, um, for instance, uh, maybe it's that, that dog that does the attention barking or the attention jumping, maybe my, my tag point, the thing I'm focusing on is, um, you know, uh, when the dog jumps, um, I look up, um, or, um, you know, uh, when the dog jumps across uh, my arms. So something that's super simple like that, yeah. or um, we can focus on that positive. So look at, okay, when the dog's uh, four on the floor, I click reward. So just four on the floor, like we start off just easy. It doesn't even have to be a sit. doesn't have to be a down. We want to just make for these really simple, easy, easy wins for them that that really will translate into easy wins for us as well. And yeah. um, so, so really, yeah, breaking down that that criteria for for a cat, for instance, that's really fearful. An easy win for them could be, <clears throat> okay, I walk to the doorway um, where I'm going to be delivering the food. I, I just wait for a moment of eye contact. As soon as I get that eye contact. I deliver that food, then I leave. So we're actually reinforcing social contact, starting off with just eye contact. And what what you'll get is you'll get more and more of that that focused interest that can lead to to a more uh, a closer interaction with them. But we just start off as simple as possible and don't expect too much 
uh, all the, you know, all at once. Otherwise you're, you're bound to fail. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and for ourselves too, like you said, it's a lot to take in and think, okay, I've got to be watching their lips, their tail, their ears. I've got to be watching how wiggly they are. I also have to be knowing about what happened to them the last 24 hours and what's their history for their entire life. And I've got to be doing this and this, and I've got to be, it's it's way too much just for ourselves. Right. And we've got to, as you said, what's the one thing I'm going to do differently during this visit? What's the one thing with this animal? What's the one thing I can do right now? And giving ourselves grace for when we don't and recognizing that it's a process for me. And I've, I've got to break my bad habits. I've got to break my way of, of doing things and how I used to react immediately or I used to try and shout over them. I've got to stop doing that. And it starts with just one thing at a time. You know, and I, I love how you, were t- you and I were talking earlier about taking those deep breaths. I think that was one of my first experiences of training myself was teaching myself to be in that Zen mode. So, so when I start to feel stress, when I notice that the animals are feeling stressed, that's when I'm going to start taking those, those deep breaths. And what I'm doing by uh, taking those deep breaths is I'm lowering my own blood pressure. I'm reducing my heart rate. Our friends at Pet Perennials make it easy as one, two, three to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct client gift service that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift reaches your client or employee. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the U.S. and Canada. They also have an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend get well wishes, and welcome new and rescued pets. Additionally, there are gift choices in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client or celebrate pregnancy, engagement, or wedding of a pet lover. If you're interested, register for a free business account to unlock the all-inclusive discounted package prices. The service is leveraged on an as-need basis, so there are no monthly or annual obligation or minimum purchases. To learn more, go to petperennials.com slash pages slash GPS and use the referral code PSC at registration to get a unique coupon code to save $2 off any package that you send in your first 90 days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we've got to try and regulate ourselves and know where we are and where we're starting. And are we focused? We might not be focused. We may be d- distracted thinking about those three red lights that we ha- got stuck at, that we always get stuck at. And now my day's absolutely ruined. And then I rush into trying and take care of this pet and I'm not watching them. I'm not seeing how they're acting. They may be acting differently or they may be responding. They, they're going to feed off of, of my energy and things that I'm doing. So I recognize that we have control and agency, not just in how we partner with the pet parents, not just how we equip and prepare them before they actually leave. But also when I walk through that door, I, I, I need to be, it's game time. I'm, I'm, I'm on and I need to be <laughs> focusing on the things that I have control over. Yes, I, I, that's so huge. I, I've become a really big fan myself of mindfulness. I don't know if you've gotten into that at all, but <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it makes such a big difference. And you know, the the biggest thing is like, and I, I struggled with this for years. My brother had always tried to talk me into, oh, you should, you should meditate. You should get into this. And uh, it, it was always so hard for me to like set, you know, carve aside that time. And, uh, but what I've learned is just being able to be in that, in that present moment. And so many times it's like, we're, you know, our mind is perhaps dwelling in the past or it's way off in the future. And so it's like, rather than punishing ourselves, like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm worrying again, or I'm like, you know, thinking back to this other stuff, like, instead of doing that, it's like, okay, 
when I see that, um, uh, someone once told me it's almost like a, you're riding a horse on the trail and the horse, you know, starts eating some, some, uh, is going towards the bushes, um, to, to grab a snack and you just gently guide them back on the trail and keep going forward. It's like, okay, when I'm doing that, it's okay. Okay. I notice I'm doing that. Okay. Now it's here. We're going to go forward again. So it's just acknowledging and then we move forward and we all are going to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. As a trainer, you know, as a person, and you know, the the faster we can move forward, give ourselves grace, and really get back on onto that focus point of what we're doing, it's it just makes it so much simpler and and better not only for us but ultimately for the pets and people that we're with because we're actually with them versus off in our head somewhere. Yeah, and that's a good that's a good thing to re- to remind ourselves. The visit may be thirty minutes. Um, I don't have to rush. I can rush that 30 minutes or I can luxuriate in that 30 minutes. And that all starts with my prep time and the tools that I'm equipped with to address anything that I walk into. And that really can impact, like you said, how we, I, I, I don't want to, I want to make sure that I'm in a state so that I don't miss the state that they're in. And, and that starts with all my prep work and all my, uh, everything that comes up before that. You're right. It's just being that, that mindfulness of going, what that means is going, how am I doing right now? And now, do mm-hmm. I want to be there? If not, I can change it. <laughs> yes, I, I think that that's absolutely huge. Yeah. The the course itself is is for pet sitters. What does it entail? And and kind of what does somebody need to be prepared for for taking it again or other education opportunities that come along with it? Yeah. So so I know that with you we have a special ten percent off no. discount oh. uh, for. <laughs> your listeners for the the Fear Free Pet Sitter certification course. And what the course itself looks like is uh, there are different modules and each one has a different topic. So we look at things like fear, anxiety, and stress. And then we look at behavior and we look at, um, uh, you know, animal enrichment basics. And then we look at things like the car ride. Um, if, you know, whether, you know, maybe it's if we are taking a pet anywhere, or if the pet is needing to come to us in certain situations. Um, so looking at ways to reduce fear, anxiety, and stress in that situation and looking at reducing fear, anxiety, and stress in the greeting. So whether it's the initial meet and greet or when we first arrive to go take care of that pet in the home. And we're doing those care tasks and and reducing fear, anxiety, and stress in those those regular interactions. And looking at at that in in terms of walks and delivering care as well. So different ways to also coordinate with with the pet guardian in terms of of ensuring that we have all the the tools that we need to stay successful. So as you said, it's like you know knowledge knowledge really is you know it, it gives you that empowerment to you know, feel more comfortable about that situation. And, and, you know, so if we have a plan in place that, okay, if we do have an emergency, if we do have a problem, here's what I can do. And so, you know, maybe we have, have that veterinary contact on hand or in that situation where, you know, if that pet does have a concern, maybe we aren't able to deliver those ear meds or that insulin as we need, we need to, okay, what do we do? So we have a plan of action to be able to offer us that support that we need. And so the fear-free pet sitter course is all about just empowering the pet sitter to be able to work better with the pet guardian, their care team, which can include the veterinary team and with that pet. Yeah. I, I love the fact that it does, again, reinforce this, this pet care team, the putting our, helping us be a better member of that and, and using other people as a resource Could to know that we're not alone. All right. Cause that can happen mm-hmm. a lot. I'm, I'm in the house. It's nine in the morning. Um, I've already been up for two hours and I've got to get this cat its shot. 
I, I'm, I'm really, really struggling with this right now. Call somebody, right? <laughs> Call the mm-hmm. vet. Well, totally. What, how can we get around this? What can we do? How can, can this be prolonged? Can this be delayed? Can we do something? Can I bring the cat to you? How do we mm-hmm. work together better? So, because that's what we want at the end of the day, whether I give the shot or it's somebody else, the cat needs it shot. And that's what we need to, that's what we need to be focusing on and doing that in the, in the best way possible and knowing that we're not alone. And that takes education, that takes partnership, that takes communication, all of that to help set ourselves up for, for the success and for the better care of the pets that we, that we all want. If people are interested in learning more about Fear Free and checking out the course, um, how can they do that? So you can go to fearfreepets.com and you'll be able to see the pet sitter course right there and be able to see more of an outline of what it entails. And so to become a fear-free pet sitter, it's going through the course and then we have a guiding code of, of conduct for our professionals, which really gives the pet guardians peace of mind with the pet professional that they're getting. So you, you, you know, it's a commitment to being a person that will watch it over that, that pet's emotional welfare and their behavioral well-being at, at the same time that you're taking care of those physical care tasks. That sounds a little daunting, but honestly, it's made as easy as possible and as safe as possible. So fear, fear free. Ultimately, we want to make it as easy as possible on everyone involved and by taking care of that emotional well-being, that's the best way to do that. And you're taking care of that physical safety as well. And once you are certified, it's a, I believe it's only a $39 renewal fee every year. And you get tons of CE courses, which is really cool. So there's lots of, of really great ways to continue learning and just just improving your your education. I know I'm a lifetime learner. It's like you can never learn enough. The more you learn, the more it's like, okay, the more you realize you don't know. And so, you know, it's, there's great CE courses and all it requires is just, you know, taking a couple hours of CE to keep up on your pet sitter certification. And that's something you can definitely keep for life and, and keep going forward. And and it's, you know, it really empowers and betters you as a pet professional in what you're doing. Yeah. And what I love about those courses is many of them, you may look and go, well, I don't do that. Like one of the courses on there is like nail trims. Well, we don't provide nail trims as a service. Um, but you know what? I, I can now teach uh, my my clients, you know, how to trim their nails, or I can have a better communication with the groomers in my area, with the vets in my area for how to do a different approach. And so it's equipping ourselves with that knowledge that we can then share whether whether we are going to implement it or not. It's another Another arrow in our quiver that we can use and, and help everybody. And so, not being afraid to take some of those cl- courses where you go, well, I, I, that's not me. Like I don't, I don't offer that. It may come up sometime, and it's better to have it now uh, when you don't need it than be scrambling for the answer later. <laughs> Absolutely, that's so so true. And you know, even with our own pets, it's like how many pets struggle with nail trims? There are a yeah. lot. So yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah, and and one negative experience with you know paw handling with nails with you know, foot care, like it, yeah. it can set the pet back. And so, you know, uh, in terms of, of even, you know, the, the pet sitting care, even if you aren't offering nail trims, a lot of times, you know, you may have to do a pasta. You may have to do a, a wrap on the, on the pets. Like there's, there are different things, medicated baths. Like, you know, it's so many of those concepts really apply um, to different situations and, and can help us with our own pets. So it's, 
It's just making our lives better. Yeah. Or we can help set that pet up for success when it does go to the groomer, right? By Mm -hmm. starting some of those procedures and working through that process and helping them have that lower level of stress before they even get there, right? Like that's, we can help do that and help make sure that this care is as, as good as possible. Exactly. Exactly. You heard, you heard little kitty in the background. He's, he's, he's our special case. He, he would be one of those pet sitting uh, dogs that you get and you're like, oh my goodness. He, he has a whole host of issues. He has his little noise sensitivity and resource guarding and my goodness, we have the whole gamut, but he is such a special dog. And it's, uh, you know, for, for us, it's really setting up that predictability getting that routine and, you know, having the, being empowered to have those behaviors to help them and help the other pets around us and help us with like, how do we respond in this situation? Cause you know, knowledge is definitely power in that with, okay, if we do have a, a pet that's doing this, this is what we can do. And as you said, not remember that you're not alone. That is huge. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Mikel, I can't tell you how much I've really enjoyed our conversation and have really appreciated um, you sharing and uh, encouraging us to, to, to learn new ways and to that, that we aren't alone, that there's a lot of resources out there. So really appreciate you taking your time out of today uh, to, to do this before you fly. Hopefully you can go get your, your, your caramel macchiato or whatever it was uh, so you can get on your plane and, uh, and enjoy that. If people want to get connected with you, maybe pick your brain on other stuff, um, how can they follow along with, with everything that you're, that you're doing these days? So, well, definitely checking out fearfreepets.com as well as fearfreehappyhomes.com. So Fearfree Happy Homes is our our pet guardian, the pet owner site that uh, is very useful as a pet professional as well. Tons of articles and videos on there that are all vetted and uh, just really good resources. And then for me personally, finding me on Facebook or Instagram at, at Mikkel Becker, M-I-K-K-E-L Becker. And I would definitely love to to be connected with you and to hear what you're doing in the industry. And it's, you know, I think we all have so much that we can learn and, and really grow from that, that connection with one another. And I know that I've really enjoyed my time talking with you today. It's just been amazing. If you do want to reach out to me personally, you can also feel free to email me at Mikkel, M-I-K-K-E-L dot Becker, B-E-C-K-E-R at fearfreepets.com. So if you have any personal questions or anything, if I can help direct you in the right direction, uh, feel free to, to email me. The Fear Free Pet Sitter Certification course came out late last year, and I can't encourage you enough to go and at least check out Fear Free Happy Homes to start learning more. If you are interested in going and signing up for that Fear Free Pet Sitter Certification program, use the promo code PSC10 and you get $10 off your course. I really think that if we can start combining the mindfulness that it takes for us to be present in the moment with the power of observation and then equipping ourselves with the necessary tools and information to act and respond to behaviors that we see in pets' lives, we can really start impacting pet parents in very big ways. And when we are working the same way that vets are, that groomers are, that the dog walker, that the pet sitter, when we're all working together and in the same consistent manner the pets are going to have a much better experience. The owners aren't going to be as stressed out and our lives are going to be a lot easier too. 
We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials, for making today's show possible. And we really want to thank you so much for listening, for taking time out of your busy day to come and listen to this. We hope that you've learned something and uh, would love to hear your experience, either using Fear Free, some of the methodologies, or how you plan to implement it in your business. You can send that to feedback at petsoterconfessional.com or anywhere on social media. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. (laughs) 